Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and joining me for the Texans postgame show. Another sad Texans postgame show as Sports Radio 6 and Sean Bajani. And between the two of us, 40 years combined in sports journalism, 35 years covering Houston sports. And I've seen a lot over the years. And, and I might be wearing my red Rockets cap, Sean, because rocket season can't get here fast enough and because choke city is back baby (laughs) three weeks in a row right you have an opportunity to go down and get it tie and or win a game and today i mean the texans and davis mills just continue to find different ways to lose but just imagine if they played 14 more of these kind of games to round out the end of the season like i'm gonna do some research for us this week and I'm going to see just how many games over the course. I'll go back seven years, Robert, and I will die on this hill right now. You can reference this in a week, in three days when we do our next show. No other team in the NFL has played as many close games decided by seven or fewer points than the Houston Texans. Like, they are the most competitive, frustrating, losing team that I can remember. Outscored 30 to nothing so far in fourth quarters. We're going to get into this. Make sure to subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube. That's how you can support the show. We do this every week, and we are also doing a midweek show that you're going to want to check out, Midweek Texan Show, also talking Astros and everything else that's going on in Houston sports. Make sure to look for all of it. But let's get to this one. We like to take you possession by possession. Bears' first possession they drive down the field for a field goal, thanks mostly to a Michael Vick-type scramble by Justin Fields. Got to give him credit on that. Texans' first possession, nothing new, three and out, same old story. Davis Mills' incomplete pass to the just-activated Jordan Aikens. Flashback to you older brothers that have Texans fans from two years ago. Remember Jordan Aikens. Bears easily marched down the field for a touchdown, Sean. 111 yards rushing on their first two possessions, 281 yards Rushing total today, only 11 of those yards from David Montgomery hurt early in the game. The Texans, Sean, were number one in the NFL in missed tackles the first two weeks. And it feels like it was the same story. All I mean, like it's this put it on rerun. The missed tackles, it's it's certainly a problem. Um, I feel like they've had a lot of opportunities. And I'd be interested to go back and see just how many of those missed tackles came from behind the line of scrimmage. Because I feel like they've had a lot of um opportunities to get some tfls on handoffs but a lot of sacks missed and jerry hughes had one today i think christian kirksey had another one today um there were just some really big chances for the texans to make a big splash defensively and change the momentum early in this game and even late in this game and they just they're not able to do it and i don't don't really know what it is maybe it just you can dumb it down to you know what the talent level on this Texans team just isn't up to snuff with your average to above average NFL rosters. And that's just kind of what it is. I mean, we've kind of talked about that all season long. Yeah. You've got some journeymen. Yes. You have some intriguing young players on both sides of the ball, but in particular defensively, I think it's just kind of what separates below average teams from Everybody else in the Texans have a lot of those players, I think. Texans have a lot of linebackers that are in a witness relocation program right now. (laughs) I I don't know where they are. Uh, Christian Kirksey, uh, especially, you know, Jonathan Owens leading all of the NFL after two weeks in tackles, had 11 more in this game. He should not be making all the tackles. We talked about it last week. We'll get back to that in a bit. But Texans finally have a good first quarter drive, though. 
Seven plays, 75-yard touchdown drive. Mills to Chris Moore, 52 yards, help set set up. Jordan Aikens, I said it again. Jordan Aikens finishes it off with a touchdown. Thank you, Brian Gain? <laughs> yeah, I guess, right? <laughs> Give him his props. Like, you made some some good moves uh, in large part. You know, if you go back and look, Brian Gain, um, understandably got fired maybe a little bit of a head scratcher whenever uh he did initially but i thought that was a really nice throw by davis mills to jordan aiken to find him um running like a little crosser towards the uh back left of the uh end zone thought he put it where only akins could make the catch um he threw a couple of those balls today to receivers um some uh you know came down with the ball um most of the time they didn't i thought in the red zone it was really important i think that was the first red zone target um, for a tight end all season long. A team that hasn't really looked at the tight ends as much as they use multiple formations with two tight ends, sometimes even three tight ends. Well, O.J. Um, Howard had the touchdowns in, in week one. And and where is O.J. Howard gone? Because we haven't seen anywhere. I thought we were going to see some of him o- a little bit more in these last couple of weeks, but not really. Yeah. Okay. So maybe it was like Brown and uh, Brevin Jordan have had zero red zone targets. You're right. OJ Howard did have those uh, two touchdowns. I don't know. Did both of those come in the red zone now? One of them did for sure. I remember that. That was pretty close to the goal. And I can't remember how close the other one was, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, he's, he's looking for guys in the end zone and sometimes it's tight ends or, you know, it's been different guys. He's spreading it around. I don't think he's like zeroing in on anybody in particular in the red zone. It just seems like uh, it, it just isn't happening for him. Um, Jalen Petrie though, you know, first inter- career interception, we're going to get more to him. Officials made me a little bit nervous about it, <laughs> but the Texans get inside the 10 mills with a rare interception for him. Uh, we thought it was rare. Of course, we'll see later in the game. Uh, it, it happened again, but he was trying to anticipate Cooks being open on a slant. Now, Sean, that one is about overconfidence in Cooks a little bit, but honestly, I got to give credit to the defender for undercutting the route and getting his hand on it. Davis had to guess Cooks had a step on his defender right there. You you get a like a millisecond to decide that. Nine out of ten times, the anticipation would be right there. Yeah, Cooks, if you go back and look at that play, Cooks actually flashed open, you know, for a hot second. But Mills, if you notice, he kind of did a little pump fake. And I don't think he had the angle to make that throw. When he pump fakes, he's still kind of moving um, back and towards the right. And then he goes ahead and decides to make that throw. And it was a great play by by the defender. I can't remember who was covering Cooks particularly. But to get a hand in there, it's kind of a tough luck interception. You know, we see those. Uh, every week from a quarterback and that's something I just can't pin on Mills you know like oh you know here we go you know he can't make the throw I thought it was a fine throw but even even a better defensive play uh, by who was covering Cooks. James Lofton has made a point and you know NFL wide receiver and a dang good one he's made the point a couple different times that Mills is taking a little bit too long in the red zone making his decision he needs to get rid of the ball quicker he's made that point you know that's something that you hope in time, that changes, but get it together, brother, because we need you to get going here. Texans D with a three and out on offense. Texans can't move it. Mills looking for Farrell Brown on third and long. He misses high like he always does now. And why isn't he throwing? Why is he throwing it to Farrell Brown in close coverage? I guess my question is not exactly my first, second, or fifth choice is to like, oh, let me get to Farrell Brown in, in, in tight coverage. 
that was kind of questionable to me, not necessarily the look to Pharaoh Brown, but the coverage on Pharaoh Brown. I thought that's one of those calls that could go either way. Unfortunately, the Texans didn't get it, but I thought it very well could have easily been a pass interference uh, call on the Bears. Uh, he had a pretty firm grip with both hands on Pharaoh's jersey um, while the ball was in the air. And so, yeah, I mean, we can nitpick and say, you know, why are you looking at Pharaoh at that point in time? But I think if Pharaoh's able to get a cleaner release, um, that goes down as a completion, and maybe they continue the drive at that point in time. Pharaoh Brown, I, I'm going to get back to him in a second, but three and out by the Texans D, good punt return by Desmond King. Got to give it up for the special teams. Nice job by those guys all game long. Thought they played a great game. It sets up Damian Pierce that we fell in love with. This is him. This is the guy we love. This is the guy we, you know, we're handing him roses and chocolates and everything. Four straight carries 41 yards, closes it out with a one yard touchdown, Sean. This is him. Yeah. Uh, he was spectacular. I mean, that was his series, you know, he pulled off a couple of different spin moves. I thought it was fantastic blocking by the way, on by the offensive line, when they got down in the red zone to set up that first and goal, uh, it was kind of a zone blocking play to the left sideline. And Pierce was just able to find that hole uh, cut it up, and uh, on the very next play, he got that touchdown. Um, I, I thought, you know, round of applause to Pierce, round of applause to the offensive line there, um, doing some great blocking. You know, Pierce, unfortunately, with two fumbles today, both times the Texans were fortunate enough to recover. Um, I think that's something to keep an eye on, and I'm sure we're going to get to it here in a little bit, but uh, I don't know if Pierce saw the field after that second fumble. Yeah, we're going to get to that for sure. So next Bears possession, Bears settle for a field goal. Because Jerry Hughes, with his fourth sack of the season to stop the drive, the one real bright spot, I think, from the Texans' defensive line and pass rush this year. And Texans with a three and out. They didn't have Pierce in the game that whole possession. Not thrilled, Sean, with taking out your best offensive weapon right there. They got to figure out a way to get him the ball in space in the passing game. We saw a little bit later in the game. But to just give up on playing him right there with a two-minute drive and him rolling – Makes no sense. No. And, you know, look, they had a third and one opportunity there. And I can't remember what the second down was. Um, I wish I could remember the yardage on that second down. It was probably second manageable, maybe a second and six or something like that. But to have a third and one opportunity at that stage of the game and to not have your best weapon on the field, that concerns me. But the play calling still bothers me in that instance. The Texans did it earlier in this game. I think it was the first quarter where they just become so darn predictable. And it was on a Pierce run where he was actually in the game, um, maybe on their first series. They have nine guys in the box defensively, and Pierce, you know, busts through a hole, runs for six yards. They go nine in the box again on the very next play, and you give the ball to Pierce, almost identical run. And that's where I would just like to see some deception on a third and one opportunity for Pep Hamilton, regardless of your personnel, like make the defense think a little bit, add some motion, create some sort of deception, some confusion, even for a millisecond, you have one yard and Davis Mills has to throw the ball away on a straight pass option here. Like let's have a little creativity you know, you can come out with the imbalanced line and some funky, um, you know, sets, 
But when it really comes down to it, third and one, that's where the Texans have really struggled on third down period this season. You have to make the defensive think. And I haven't seen that, uh, unfortunately, to this point from Pep Hamilton enough. Yeah, and I got more on him in a little bit. You took care of a little bit of him. I'm going to take care of more Pep Hamilton down the road. So Bears shut down before the half. So we'll move to the second half. Texans drive down for a field goal, 17-13 Texans on third and eight. There was a designed screen for Pharaoh Brown, which I wasn't in love with. Pharaoh is the last Texans tight end I want to see trying to make plays in the open field. And the Pharaoh Brown screenplay, I, I don't know what they were in love with. I don't know why the sudden love affair in this game with Pharaoh Brown. He's not in my top five, six, seven playmakers on the Texans. You know, he's not somebody I want in the open field. Jordan Aikens had a really good game. Jordan Aikens has got a little bit of ability to break stuff open if you're going to go with a tight end. But if not, give it to Pierce or Nico or somebody that you feel like it cooks more, somebody else. But Farrell Brown? Yeah, and you mentioned Nico. He was – I'm still shocked that he got like four targets today and I think ended up with two catches because I had to go back and look at the box score and see like, oh, my God. Like, I thought Nico didn't even play today. Like, where was that guy? Um, he was just that non-important to the Texans' offense today. And look, the Texans, tight end-wise, you knew they were short. Brevin Jordan out for today's game, so they were going to go Brown. You know, O.J. Howard was available. Obviously, Jordan Aikens. You know, it's kind of like pick your poison, to be honest with you. But in terms of, like, creating yards after contact, I really like what O.J. Howard can do. We haven't seen much of it, but he's a big body who has that never-give-up attitude that I've seen. But – my gosh, I would have really liked to have seen if you're going to go check down to a tight end right there, give it to Akins because that guy is a freaking fighter. I love it. Um, they rewarded him a couple of times today, you know, as we saw in, you know, with the touchdown. Um, but, you know, it's another one of those situations where I'm just not, I'm just not a fan of the play calling on those third downs. I just don't think when we talked, and we talked about this a lot, Robert, but from a personnel standpoint, are you giving Davis Mills a chance to succeed? Hey, your roster is what it is. But if you're going to go with what you have on this roster, then you have to accentuate it with the play calling. And I just think calling those types of plays short of the chains on third down just ain't going to do it. It's just not going to do it. That's not giving Davis Mills a chance to succeed. That's not giving your team the best opportunity to extend drives. Yeah, the thing is, Davis Mills, he's a second-year quarterback that didn't play a lot in college. He gets a little bit of room to make some mistakes here, here and there. I know it's been too many, but yeah, Pep Hamilton's been around. He's a veteran. This is a guy that's been around the NFL, and he has looked awful. He has looked like the worst coach on the team by far. The offensive line's had its struggles, but the offensive line played really well today, and they improved. Um, you can point to other things about this team, maybe the linebacker coaching, but I don't know how much talent there really is there. The, the problem is, you know, Pep Hamilton's got some talent, and I feel like he has no idea how to utilize it. And he's so obvious with some of the stuff that he's doing. I, I want to say that's a little strong, you know, that he's looked like the worst coach. Um, I'm not I'm not personally prepared to go there yet. But, uh, I mean, I do see your point. I, I, I do think he's underutilizing the talent that he does have. And I do think he's un underutilizing um, his own creativity, which we've seen. And it takes great discipline to be as creative as the Texans have shown they want to be with some of the sets 
and motions that they've run. And in terms of the route concepts and the decision-making, uh, which comes down to the player in Davis Mills, I mean, that that all is questionable. And Pep Hamilton can only do so much when your quarterback struggles to get through his progressions, whether it be a timing aspect, whether it be um, somebody that maybe has the yips, has some happy feet, is afraid of taking a sack and turning the ball over. I don't know what it is. It's probably a culmination of all of those things. But I do think Pep Hamilton is kind of um, overprotecting his guys. And unfortunately, it's costing this offense. When you do that for fear, out of fear, of turning the ball over or exposing a player or players, then you're not playing winning football. You're not going to finish games. You're going to play it safe. And nine times out of 10, when you try to play it safe, you're going to lose. Yeah. I just think if you look at it between offense and defense, Levy's getting the most out of what he's got on defense. I don't feel like Pep's getting the most out of what he's has on offense. So the bears respond with the touchdown drive. It's as simple as the Texans can't stop the run. I mean, we can talk about this till we're blue in the face. Not, not sure what's, Left to say there, let's move to the Texans on offense. They get stopped on third and one, but pull out the fake punt. It works again, special teams. I said it earlier. They were great. Third and one at the two. Hated. Now, this is the worst of the worst from Pep Hamilton in this game. Hated the formation, Sean. Literally no need for the Bears not to have 11 guys in the box when you got the fullback on the field. You got a bunch formation. You just basically said, all right, Bears, we're running Damian Pierce at you. And, I, you know, everybody, my, I said it on Twitter, my dead great-great-great-grandma saw this one coming. Third one. Um, that's kind of what happens. You know, you're stacking the box. You've allowed eight, nine defenders in. Uh, the Texans' best is not better than anybody else's best in that situation. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You could be playing the worst run defense in the league. You put nine guys in the box and say, hey, we're going to beat you. You're not. Um, I don't care if it's Pierce or anybody else running the football. You know, Roquan Smith got in the backfield for the TFL and initiated that blow up. But, I mean, the Bears rallied two, three, four other guys into the backfield that were right behind Roquan Smith in that instance. And that, again, is just where I want to see a little bit of that deception, a little bit of motion. Make the defense think that you're not going to run your best offensive player in that position. Just you have to create a question in the minds of your defense there. Yeah, you can see my eyes rolling in the back of my head as you're, as you're talking there. And so the Texans get the field goal to tie the game. They settle for one. But then Jalen Petrie benefits from another poor Justin Fields pass. Give Petrie for making the – give him credit for making the plays, but also bad throws. Second interception for him. But the Texans, another terrible-looking screen pass for Farrell Brown on a third down play awful. So we're back to them forcing a punt near midfield and a Damian Pierce, or I'm sorry, the Texans forced the bears with a punt at midfield, but Damian Pierce fumbles and the Texans recover, but that basically puts him in the, in the doghouse. I mean, he's in, I don't know if it's Pep's doghouse. I don't know if it's Lovey's doghouse, but let's get to that in a second. There's a holding by Quesenberry, which hurts followed by, a worthless draw play to Rex and a hopeless screen pass to Rex because Damian Pierce makes one mistake, or you could say he made two. By the way, neither one of them cost because they, they recovered both of the fumbles. And unlike the other rookies who I guess get to make whatever mistakes that, and they just stay on the field forever. I'm sure Jalen Petrie and Derek Stingley out there are, 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 are just, they're playing to perfection, I guess, Sean, because they, they don't get 
you know, taken out of the game immediately when they make a mistake. And and this is, you know, this is a deal where you, this is a learning season. This is a learning team. You're going to have to live with some mistakes. And, and 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 Pierce is your best weapon. You you can't punish the team because Pierce makes a couple mistakes. It's a head scratcher. I don't understand it because, you know, Pierce fumbles the ball a second time. You take him out. Sometimes I can see that. Look, you know, it can be about hard contact sometimes. You give them a breather. You put them back in. Um, but they both both times, it wasn't like, you know, he'd taken incredibly hard contact. It was a situation where a defender came in and got all ball, punched it out, and did what they were supposed to do. Okay, you put the ball on the ground. Um, no harm, no foul, because the Texans were able to recover both times. After the first fumble by Pierce, though, they put him right back in, very next play, gave him a carry for positive yards, okay? So you fumble a second time in a later stage of the game. You know, I can understand if it's hard contact or maybe he'd been on the field for X, Y, Z amount of plays, whatever, because the Texans were just, that last series, they were on the field for seven and a half minutes, which was incredibly important in this game if the Texans were going to have an opportunity to win a game giving their defense a lot of time to rest after they were just getting mown over by the Bears run game all day. And you needed an extended drive. So 14 plays, I think it was, you know, 50 some odd yards for seven and a half minutes. That was huge. That next offensive series, Pierce puts the ball on the ground, no harm, no foul. You get the ball back, fine. Let's reassure him that we have confidence in you. And you don't have to give him the ball the very next play, but don't take him out because we've still seen his value as a pass blocker and a guy that has improved on, you know, protecting Mills in the backfield when he chooses to pass. And the checkdowns to Rex were just mind-numbingly frustrating, you know, on second and longs, on third and 18 with the stupid checkdown, you know, on the interception, you know, it's... Those are the things that are just inexcusable. And those are the things, Robert, if this team was not expected to be bad this year, if they were expected to buy for division and you're making these kinds of mistakes, these are fireable offenses that Pep Hamilton is making personnel-wise, play-calling-wise, and management-wise. So going forward, I know we're three games in, and I know they've had an opportunity to win all three of these games, regardless of how they've looked. It just is about utilizing the talent that is going to be here far beyond potentially um, when this is supposed to be a competitive and a a, 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 a winning football team. you got to give these guys a chance. Take your kid gloves off and let this guy who is the toughest, hard-nosed baller you got offensively, not named Brandon Cooks, let him out there and do his job. Pep's not going to last after this year. That's Blatantly obvious. I, Nick Casario is going to hold people accountable. I, I do not think Pep lasts beyond this year. I feel like that's looking like more and more of a mistake. There's a reason why, you know, he would come to the Texans and in, in this crap show last year with David Culley as the head coach and everything. I mean, I think he was a guy that was not wanted around the rest of the NFL. And so that's why he landed in the Texans lap. Uh, just so many things with him that are frustrating and we can get mad at Davis Mills if we want, but he's learning these mistakes. You hope eventually change with him, but if they don't, it's as simple as he wasn't thought of as the guy that was going to be the savior. Anyway, he was a third round pick. You took a flyer, but Pep Hamilton 
you know, th this is about the entire team and the offense and everything that where you just feel like, you know, that was a guy that everybody, I guess, was high on Texans fans were, but um, you know, success with Andrew Luck, but big deal. It was Andrew Luck that he had success with. And I'm more impressed when you're having success with guys like Ryan Tannehill and some of the more mediocre quarterbacks around the NFL. But I mean, uh, I'll just finish off the game with the Texans punt, but Petrie gets a huge sack. So the, so the bears punt Petrie, you know, huge game, you know, two interceptions with, and that sack he's coming on, but fourth quarter, Davis Mills strikes again, <laughs> bears interception game uh, over. I, I just, I was having mad job flashbacks at that point. That looked like a very mad jobish <laughs> end of this game. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, um, I mean, you know, even even Schaub, you know, had had some weapons that that he was able to utilize, and they seemed to move the chains a little bit more. I mean, I, it's hard for me to, to to just destroy Davis Mills on this one because his interceptions, you know, they were both tip defensed balls, and you know, it is what it is. But that last interception, shocker, who was he looking for on the check down? Rex Burkhead. It, it, who wasn't I, open, by the way, and I don't know if the ball isn't tipped if it's not intercepted, but I can tell you it probably isn't completed anyway. And I guess, you know, my frustration with the Texans is is starting to zero in on 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 two guys, and it's and it's Mills and uh, Pep. Because look, the offensive line, like I said, offensive line was great today. You know, they had one bad play. There was one in the fourth quarter where there was like some confusion, and it caused a sack. But, I mean, come on. It was basically one bad play by the offensive line. The timing we know wasn't great on that particular play in the fourth quarter. However, offensive line improved greatly in this game. Um, we talked about Justin Britt not being around, and all of the confusion last week might have had something to do with what was going on with the offensive line and some, some uh, stuff that was going on with them. But you look at the rest of this team, and I feel like everybody's getting the most out of what they've got except for – Pep Hamilton and Davis Mills. And I just some, just feel like those guys aren't getting it done. And, and really, it's coming down to Pep Hamilton. And, you know, maybe he doesn't even get through the whole season. Maybe, you know, at some point, you keep losing in the fourth quarter and he keeps making bad plays. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, oh, you know, because at some point, you can't just keep blaming everything on Davis Mills. You can't say this is all Davis Mills' fault. And let me just say, you know, Damian Pierce... I don't know whose call it is, but I would love to know. I, you know, maybe you can ask that this week. Maybe somebody can ask whose call is it to take Damian Pierce out when he makes a mistake like he did late in the third quarter against the Broncos. There was, you know, some foul up where he was lined up in the wrong place, and then he's sort of invisible in the fourth quarter of that game. He they, he he makes the fumble. He's invisible there. You know, it, it and and whose call is it? And it's Casario's call. Whose call is it not to have somebody? If you don't trust Damian Pierce, if Pep Hamilton is this distrustful of him, and if if Levy's this distrustful of him, whose call is it to say, well, then we're putting the whole running back offense on Rex, old man Burkhead, who has no explosion, who's just a guy, who was never more than just a guy ever in his life. You know, Tom Brady makes everybody look a little bit more than just a guy, but he's just a freaking guy. That's all he is. That's all he is. And this is... Casario's fault for for putting the offense in that position, but it's also Lovey and Pep Hamilton for saying we don't trust Damian Pierce anymore. 
And that's where I get frustrated. It's just the terrible play calls and that, and that like, we're going to pull the plug on Damian Pierce when you know, this team is not going to the stupid Super Bowl. You play through your mistakes by your fourth round rookie draft picks that are that's showing you that he's got real explosion. And, it, and I'm sorry to go on and on about this, but I, it makes me extremely angry, Sean, that this is where we are. And it's this mismanagement. Yeah, look, I, I've seen play calling far more egregious than this, you know, from the Texans in years past. Um, a lot of it in the Bill O'Brien era, um, even when Gary Kubiak was calling plays and turned things over to Kyle Shanahan. You know, we've seen far more egregious, uh, poor play calling before. Um, the fact that, you know, these first three games, the Texans have had opportunities to win late um, should satisfy to some degree. Um, because they've mucked games up and I'll do credit to Lovey Smith's defense and his preaching of turnovers. They've gotten them. They've set themselves up for opportunities. The offense hasn't uh, nearly routinely enough capitalized on those turnovers created by the defense. Special teams play has put this um, the opposition in some very difficult situations where the defense has really struggled at times um, to to capitalize on those things. At the end of the day, look, we talked about this last week. You're not going to pitch a perfect ball game, um, and that's not really what you need. You've got a quarterback who is not even a game manager at this point. He's a guy in Davis Mills who is continuing to learn on the fly. And today was his 14th NFL start. That's the same exact amount of games that he played total in college. Okay, so where I'm going to come at with him in terms of destroying his play is is nothing, um, you know, the, not coming from like a hateful place, an unfair spot. It's just kind of, it is what it is. You know, you have to understand that. And the fact that you have this guy as your quarterback for this team and you've been in position to win games late three straight weeks out of the gate, um, it's pretty incredible. Well, it's not incredible when you look at the competition. Let's not give them credit. They aren't playing what I look as Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, the Colts, okay, they beat the Chiefs today. Everybody thought the Colts would be halfway decent, but nobody was like the Colts are one of the best teams in the AFC. Right. Matt Ryan's Matt Ryan's not a good quarterback anymore. Let's let's call a spade a spade. Uh, R- Russell Wilson, n- not not that good of a quarterback anymore. He struggled against everybody. Justin Fields stinks. Lovey Smith, to be honest with you, should have been – throwing some more blitzes his way. Levy Smith is playing real cowardice football on defense against quarterbacks that aren't that good. And, and again, with a defense that's not good enough to go, okay, we're just going to out coverage another team uh, out with our defense. You got to, you know, put some more pressure on Justin Fields in some bigger situations. How many times did the Texans show blitz in this game and then not bring it? And I get it. Yeah. The, the bears didn't have a ton of points, but should they have even scored 23 points? I mean, show some guts on defense, Levy. So, I mean, I went out hard on Pep Hamilton. Levy, it's not the same. But still, the one frustration is he hasn't been aggressive enough against quarterbacks that, like, they're they're in trouble anyway. The, the, the crowd was turning against Russell Wilson. Matt Ryan was not good against the Texans. You could have thrown some blitzes at, at those guys. They're not at the point of their career where, oh, my God, I'm so scared of those guys when you throw a blitz. This isn't Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. You know, I, I, it's just really frustrating. The Texans play like they have something to lose, and they don't. 
Why do you think you've got something to lose? Why are you playing like that? You're playing like losers. Playing it safe. That's kind of what what I said earlier. And that's not going to win you a lot of ball games. which, you know, maybe incredible is a little bit of a strong word, but I just find it fascinating that, you know, with the way that they've played, not having that killer instinct, they've had an opportunity to go win a game in each of the first three weeks. That, to me, um, you know, is is kind of shocking. And that's why I say if they played, if they had these opportunities more times than not, you know, in 10 of the next 14 ball games uh, to end the regular season, I mean, that's incredible. I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I mean, it's going to take another two to three weeks, Robert, before I, I think we kind of figure out what the rest of this league is going to look like and what the remaining games on the Texan schedule uh, are really how we how seriously we need to take those. The first three weeks of an NFL season are always just kind of wild, wacky, crazy. I mean, look at what the Colts did today. I mean, they were able to beat the Chiefs. I mean, my gosh, I had that game pegged, guaranteed to go to overtime, and then Patrick Mahomes throws an interception, you know, to end it. I mean, it's just one of those weird, wild, wacky things. And look, this Texans team, who we think they are right now, is probably nowhere close to being what they really are. I kind of side with you know look is as miraculous if you want to put it that way that they've had an opportunity to win these games late the first three weeks you could say man this team is going to get the brakes beaten off of them over the course of the next 14 games and i believe you okay because teams will get better the texans will get better at certain aspects but at the end of the day do you have the guys do you have the coaches you know to continue to help you take the next steps i don't know if they do i'm not going to crush pep hamilton yet I want to see a little bit more because would his play calling look a little bit different? Would we have more confidence if it, if you had a different guy not named Davis Mills throwing the football and making decisions back there? Maybe. Um, and that's kind of what I want to see more of. We could talk all we want about the growth of Davis Mills, the growth of Damian Pierce, and the continuity of this offensive line. Fine. But what about all of those things with the coaching staff? It's their first year as well. I know guys have been there, done that, and this is Lovey's third tour as being a head coach in the NFL, but this is his first time in seven years doing just that with this group. You got to figure it out. You got to learn. And it comes down to being, being able to learn who your guys really are more than just in training camp and in preseason and in practices. It takes games. And he's slowly but surely, I think, being able to figure out what he can and can't do. Yeah, I just get extremely frustrated and tired of coaching in the NFL that is very cowardice not to lose coaching. I see it way too often for a game that's played by brave guys out there on the field. We have a lot of cowardice in, in coaching staffs around the, in the NFL. And, you know, Andy Reid, he always ends up there towards the end of the year because he plays with guts. And, and that's Andy Reid's style. And there's so few of those guys and Belichick as well that, you know, they stick out because everybody else, it seems like, plays not to lose. And, and I hate that mentality, uh, especially when you don't have the talent to begin with. You just, you, you throw it all out there. You know, you make it, you know, make it fun for the fans. You make it fun for the players that are playing and all that sort of stuff. I want to wrap it up, Sean, because I, I just, I got to remind everybody, if you're not subscribing, you're missing things like, I talked to a former Bear this week leading up to the game that not only does a podcast, but he played for Levy. He talked about Levy and the players in tears after Levy got fired by the Bears. I don't know where else you're getting this content from, Texans fans, 
but we're trying to bring you stuff. Sean's there every day with the Texans. He's at the stadium. So please subscribe to us. Tell people about this. We want to grow this thing out. We think there's something huge here between the two of us. Tons of experience. You know, there's great chemistry between us, and I think everybody needs to know about what's going on here. I'm going to brag a little bit because I think we're, we're doing a great job and um, just really good stuff week in and week out. You know, Texans, another chance next week. I mean, there's winnable games on this schedule, so we'll see what happens. Uh, great to have you again with me, Sean, and uh, look forward to doing this again. We'll be coming at you guys again midweek, but looking forward to it, Sean. Definitely looking forward to it, man. Always appreciate uh, uh, getting to come on after the game and chop it up with you and talking some ball. So we'll look forward to it on Wednesday. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.